Epiphany Church in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. On Friday a thief, on Sunday a king, laid down in grief, but I walk with the key to hell on that day, the firstborn of the slain, the man Jesus Christ laid. Welcome to Epiphany's Sunday Sermons, a podcast ministry of Epiphany Anglican Fellowship in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. Our church exists to help people discover and rediscover the love of God in the Christian gospel. To learn more about our church, visit our website at epiphanyligonier.org. I've been following the condo collapse story out of Miami now for, you know, the past month or so, the Surfside condominium story. I mean, it's a real tragedy, right? 97 people dead, and that number may still grow even now. I didn't know this, but they have this field called uh, uh, forensic engineering. And these are engineers that are called in to examine structural failures and try to piece back together what happened when a collapse like this happens. And there's a team of forensic engineers doing that in Miami right now, going through the rubble of the building and looking at the columns and, and the beams and trying to figure out where was the point of failure that caused this building to collapse? And, you know, we don't have an answer yet. It could be a number of things. It's going to take a lot of time sifting through the rubble to, to figure out exactly. But it may be, for example, that the pool was installed incorrectly. And it was installed in such a way that water from rain was not draining right. And so there was this collection of water slowly eating away at some of the concrete columns of the building. That's one theory. And another theory is that, you know, Miami was built on like Florida marshland. And so over time, the theory goes that the foundation of the building had succumbed to water in the ground. And so there was water in the ground that made the building sink and and eventually there were cracks in the foundation and everything fell apart. When Beth and I lived in Morgantown, West Virginia. We rented a house for about two years there. It's the same house that some members of Epiphany came and helped us move from. And our landlady was a grandmotherly Episcopalian, and she lived like two hours away in another town. But she was disappointed that we were moving out because the house had been in her family for three generations, and she wanted to pass it along to a young family who could maybe raise their kids in it too. And it was really kind of her to think uh, of us for that, You know, the house treated us well for the two years we lived there. But when you were in the basement of the house, you could see that the cinder block foundation was beginning to bow inward a bit. And the mortar and the the cement, the construction mortar, holding the blocks together uh, was uh, beginning to crack as a result. And it wasn't enough to be dangerous, you know, we weren't expecting the house to come down on us at any point, but we knew that it would be a very expensive and extensive project to get that sort of thing fixed. And so that house was great, you know, the view from our back deck was great, the commute uh, in from this house was really short, but the foundation was bad. And the house is not where we would want to settle for some time to come, even if we were offered it at a deal. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about proper building code, doesn't it? 
that's the core of many illustrations. The Bible goes to these questions of proper building uh, to explain matters of God to us. The prophet Amos, for example, used a plumb line as a metaphor for God's judgment, right? A plumb line is a tool that one can use uh, to measure if walls are straight. And there are war- large swaths of the Old Testament where skilled laborers are working hard to lay these massive stone foundations uh, for the temple in Jerusalem. This construction language is even part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, isn't it, right? And everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will not be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And one of the most common ways that the Bible talks about God's bigness and God's holiness is to say that God set up the foundations of the world, And that image, I think, means a lot after this Miami condo collapse, doesn't it, right? That God set up the foundations of the world. The things that keep our world from falling apart around us, those are all part of the foundations that God himself, uh, the master creator, put together. Uh, We're finishing today our series in Acts, and we're doing it by way of 1 Corinthians because over the course of the book of Acts, we've gone through every sermon preached by the first followers of Jesus. And we found a golden thread woven in each of these sermons. Whenever the gospel is proclaimed in the book of Acts, there are three key themes repeated over and over and over again. Jesus' death and resurrection, his promise to return and judge and fix the world, and everyone is welcome to repent and receive forgiveness for how they messed up God's world. And sometimes these three core ideas, right, they're presented, but they're paired with a Bible study of Old Testament scripture. And sometimes these three ideas are paired with a personal testimony. And sometimes these three ideas are paired with pagan poetry and philosophers. And sometimes um, these three golden threads are snuck into a courtroom statement by a um, Christian on the defense in a courtroom. But whether it's Peter or Paul or Stephen or anyone else, whether they're in Jerusalem or whether they are in Rome, whether these first followers of Jesus were talking to um, Jewish believers in the God of Israel or pagan believers in the gods that were part of the Greek pantheon, no matter the space, no matter the speaker, no matter the audience, those three core ideas were there. Christ has died and risen. Christ is going to come back to judge and fix the world. And those who ask forgiveness for the ways that they've messed up God's world, well, they will receive it. And this is the foundation, friends, of Christian belief. This is the gospel. Everything else we believe is built upon this sturdy and trustworthy foundation. Jesus' death and resurrection, his return to judge and fix the world, and the forgiveness of sins for anyone who believes. Everything else derives from this. Paul says so in our reading today, right? Uh, that, that That's part of the problem with the church in Corinth, is that the church has neglected this foundational piece of its life together. Um, the congregation in Corinth, you know, Paul loves them, right? He loves the church in Corinth to pieces, but they were troubled children. They leave him exas- frequently leave him exasperated. And there are lots of, of problems in this church. But one of the problems that we read about in 1 Corinthians is that um, they have a click problem. C-L-I-Q-U-E. They have a click problem, like high school clicks, 
right? They have a high school problem where the members of this church are separating out into cliques. And what they're doing is they're going to claim different teachers in the faith and say, well, I follow this guy, therefore you should listen to me and I am better than you. Some were claiming superiority because they followed Apollos, who was one of Paul's peers, another traveling missionary. Others said, well, I'm going to follow Peter. Another said, well, I'm going to follow Paul. And others sort of brought in the old tried and true Jesus juke, right? It said, well, you all are so petty for following the teachings of men. You should follow us because we follow Jesus, you know? Um, so this is kind of a high school pro, uh, a high school problem. I'm so glad we don't do this today, right? The Calvinists and the Lutherans and the Wesleyans and the Augustinians and the Franciscans were so much better off than they were in Corinth, you know, he said sarcastically, right? But the problems are so bad that Paul has to intercede and he can't travel there, but he can write them a stern letter. And he says this, he says, look, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Paul says, look, quit playing all of these teachers against each other because we're all ultimately on the same team. And then he switches from gardening language to building language. And here's what Paul says in our reading today. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Paul was the first evangelist who stopped in Corinth and, and helped establish this church there. Paul spent a year and a half in Corinth talking about Jesus and, and helping to, to get this church rooted in a firm foundation of Jesus' death and resurrection, the forgiveness of sins, and his promise to come back and fix the world. And part of what we know in reading Acts is, again, it's those three core beliefs. That's the foundation he laid when he was there. That's what he preached. That's what he taught about. That's what he did everywhere else, wherever he went. And he says, look, that's the same thing that Apollos is talking about too. It's just, I laid the foundation and Apollos is helping you to build upon that foundation. Paul has more to say, of course. He says this, let each one take care how he builds upon that foundation. For no one can lay a foundation other than what that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold or silver or precious stones or wood or hay or straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. But if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Now, this is kind of funny, right? Paul, Paul, why is Paul, Paul talking about fire codes and buildings and foundations here? Well, what Paul is trying to articulate is, is this, right? You've got the foundation, which is Jesus Christ. No other foundation is going to work, and that's the foundation which everything else is, is built upon. Sure enough, right? Um, so, so what ends up Paul ends up saying is the things we build on top of that are going to have lasting consequences, right? Because when Jesus returns, the, the great apocalyptic imagery of the Bible, and Paul uses this language, Jesus is going to return and it's going to be like fire. Not like a California fire, but a, a fire from a great forge. This is the, the image of the Old Testament. It's the image of the prophets. They think this, right? God fixes the world. God judges the world and he comes with fire to do it. 
But again, they didn't they didn't think of God as a California fire season, burn everything to the ground. They imagined him instead as a, a good kind of fire, a forge of fire, fire that's meant to get rid of impurities and present something good and clean and whole. Paul says that once this foundation is laid, we can build on top of it a number of ways. He talks about things which can be refined by fire, like gold and silver and precious stones, expensive, costly, time-consuming, but these are things that are not burned up, whereas there are things which are built up, burnt up by fire, right? Wood and hay and straw. These are things will, that will not survive God's refining fire. It's, it's kind of like a, a little three little pigs a fairy tale, isn't it, right? Three pigs build houses. The first two build houses of straw and sticks. They're not terribly concerned with the stability of those structures if the wind or the wolf come about. But the third builds his house of bricks. It takes him longer. He has to work harder. But the wind comes and the wolf comes. Not only can the third little pig keep his house, he can take his fellow pig friends. Um, he can take them in when their houses are destroyed. And so as we're in this reading, Paul says, I want you to have a spiritual um, house that we're building. I want you to be a spiritual building. He talks it like a, like a temple, in fact, like a, a spiritual temple. He says, we are temples to God. He says, I want you, friends, to actually have something that is good and long-lasting, and we're going to build on this foundation of the gospel. And so to extend this metaphor out for a bit, there are two ways, I think, that our passage serves as a, as a cautionary tale for the warning of the church in Corinth and for us as well. Because the first question that, that comes as a logical conclusion of this passage is, uh, do we have the right foundation? My house in Morgantown, right, it was structurally sound. For the time being, uh, that was the case. But time would erode it and the cinder block foundation would continue to weaken from day to day. But regardless, right, there was something off about the foundation that made its collapse not a matter of if, but a matter of when. And so the, the question spiritually is, what about your foundation? There are plenty of bad foundations to build off of, right? Uh, there is a scriptural foundation Paul wants you to have, but then there are some he doesn't want you to have. Paul doesn't want your foundation of your, your faith and your spirituality and your identity to be something to the effect of, if I am good enough, God will accept me. That's a bad foundation. God loves me because I'm a member of my country or my ethnic group or my um, uh, sort of community, right? God loves me because I'm a member of something. That too is a bad foundation. God will make my life suffering free as long as I obey him. That's a bad foundation, right? These bad foundations are everywhere. And they're not just, you know, sacred Christian bad foundations. There are secular ones too, right? Um, the universe is all there is and God isn't real. And so I just need to keep my head down and have um, enough pleasurable experiences that I think life is worth living. That is a bad foundation. <laughs> or how about this one? If I just put good vibes out into the universe, then good things will return to me. If I behave good and treat other people well, then they're going to treat me the exact same way. That is a bad foundation. Paul says in our reading today, he says this, right? When Jesus returns, bad foundations are not going to make the cut. If we live our lives apart from a rootedness in the truth of the Christian gospel, 
then not only are we unable to resist uh, the wind and the wolf that come from this world proper, um, not only are we unable to withstand the malevolent and evil forces of this world, but we will not stand when the good forces come back to the world either. And so Paul says, what is your foundation? What is the foundation? That is the question that comes from this reading. And the second warning in our passage, the second question to come uh, from this passage is, what are you building on top of that foundation? Right? Because the gospel is true. And if we have that as our core belief, and that's what's dictating who we are and what we do and what we believe and how we treat others, if that's the core reality that dictates how we live our lives, then there are so many different ways we could build beautiful temples to the Lord on top of that foundation through our good works, uh, through our deeds, through the ministries we support. And, and Paul, what he's doing here is he's picking a fight with the church and he's saying, do you really think that it's a beautiful building you are building when you've all gone to your corners in the boxing ring, uh, sponsored by these, uh, you know, apostles that you each enjoy, and then you fight and you try to one-up one another and you're, you're jockeying for position? He says, that's the sort of thing that is like building your house with stick or straw. It's going to be burned away at the end of time. And you have the foundation, so you're going to be okay. But, you know, you're going to be like um, someone who runs out of a burning house as opposed to someone whose house doesn't catch on fire. So Paul says here, things like theological infighting, bad habits, moral failure, greed, um, hypocritical social media posts, defects of our character, um, the ways we treat others, the these are the things that uh, are sticks and straw that we're going to build a, a temple to God out of. And Paul says, look, those things are going to get burnt up in a fire. Those things will not stand the test of time. And that list could go on for a very long time. That's a sermon for another time. I don't want to spend time here, but there is a sense in which when we have this foundation of the gospel, we are careful to build things on top of it that will last, that will be around and be present when Jesus returns to fix the world. Uh, so here is where I think our rubber meets the road today as a, as a church finishing a series of sermon illustrations. Over the past you know year and a half, it certainly seems like our lives have been a parable, something like the three little pigs. And, and by proxy, I think, uh, we have in the parable of the three little pigs uh, a story of shaky foundations. And I think the pandemic, uh, maybe I won't speak for you, but I'll speak for me, it shook me like an earthquake. And there are a lot of things that I took for granted. There were a lot of things that I um, came to rely on. And uh, through the pandemic season, I didn't have them. They fell away like straw and sticks and hay. And I think in my conversations with all of you over the past you know, year and a half, all of us are discovering these things are true, that we had these foundational pieces of our lives together that were then pulled out from underneath us by a global pandemic. Our marriages are strained. Our relationships with our work and with our jobs are strained. We're at odds with family members that we love. We're at odds with our neighbors, our literal neighbors, and our figurative neighbors. Our relationship with our church is strained. The things we love so dearly about our congregation and our life together, uh, many of them have been returned, but some of them continue to be out of reach for us right now. Um, to use the imagery of our reading today, I think the pandemic has exposed in all of us, again, your pastor is no exception here, 
Uh, the pandemic has insp- has exposed to all of us where our houses were built with sticks and straw, and for some of us, it may have exposed cracks in our foundations as well. Things we leaned on and depended on for our serenity turned out to be houses of hay. Parts of our faith that were of supreme importance to us were maybe not accessible or they weren't helpful any longer when the season of uh, serious suffering came forward. And the result, I think, is that we're all tired and anxious and depressed. Uh, We're all stressed. We're all angry. We're longing for some sort of normalcy again. And these things continue to feel like they are out of our reach. And so, friends, uh, starting next week, uh, I want to take what we've learned over the summer about the nature of the gospel. And I want to distill it and and talk about some of the things that um, uh, I didn't feel like I was ready to give a hot take on when things uh, fell apart a year and a half ago. So we're going to start a new sermon series that I'm going to call um, The Divine Debrief, The Gospel for the Age of covid And it's a study in these great themes that have come forward in the past year. We have external themes like racism and the role of church and state. We're going to talk about that in the sermon series ahead. And then we're going to talk about internal themes like mental illness and anger and fear. And maybe even look to see what God thinks about uh, solutions for us. Things like forgiveness and reconciliation and hope. I mean, the reality is, is we don't know what the future is going to bring, right? This whole Delta variant thing we're reading about in the news, maybe it'll force us back into podcast mode again. Lord Jesus, please no, right? Maybe we have to go back into podcast mode again. Maybe this winter will be another dark winter defined by more lockdowns and more mask wearing, and uh, we're going to watch numbers spike again, and more of our loved ones are going to get sick. And maybe everything will be fine (laughs) and we'll have a remarkably normal fall season ahead. I don't know, right? That was the core of the Easter message that I keep going back to that I gave in April of 2020 when we were in the Giant Eagle parking lot over the AM radio, right? We don't know what the future is going to bring. But anytime we're going to engage with the unknown, anytime we're going to engage Um, with uh, some debrief about the past, anytime we're going to talk about these more topical things, anytime we do anything like that, um, we're going to realize that if we don't have the right foundation, um, this whole exercise is going to be meaningless. Paul says so in our reading today. If we don't have Jesus Christ as our foundation, then nothing else will matter. right? We don't need nice guy Jesus who's everybody's buddy. That's not going to work. We don't need moral teacher Jesus who's just going to give us rules to live by. That won't work either. We need the Jesus Christ who died and rose again. The Jesus who is coming back to fix the world. The Jesus who dishes out forgiveness like candy on Halloween when he's trying to get rid of candy at night so he doesn't have to eat it uh, or take it into work the next day. If that Jesus is the foundation of your life, as Paul outlines in our reading today, that no matter what gets built on top of that foundation, you're going to be okay. Even if you've managed to build a house completely out of straw and stick and thatch and hay, if a big bad wolf or Satan himself comes to huff and puff and blow your house down, well, you'll still find safety in the basement, right? Because that's where the foundation is and that's where you can meet Jesus and that is where we can be safe and secure. So this is the question I want to end with tonight, today. 
What is your foundation? What is the primary truth and its associated tenets that you live your life around? If it's anything other than the Christian gospel, as we've studied over the past few months in the book of Acts and proclaimed by the apostles since the very beginning, you will not be able to withstand the wickedness of the world or the goodness of God himself. Both will consume any foundation that is not Jesus' death and resurrection, his promise to fix the world, and the gratuitous forgiveness of sins. And so, friends, I invite you again to check once more your foundations as we move forward and talk more about what life looks like this side of the pandemic. Because, as the great hymnal reminds us, on Christ the solid rock we stand, all other ground is sinking sand. In Jesus' name, amen. On Friday a thief, on Sunday a king, lay down in grief, broke with the keys, fell on that day, firstborn of the slain, the man Jesus Christ lay, death in his grave. Church in Ligonier, Pennsylvania.